welcome to DemonCast Season 2, Episode 7, the one with the misunderstood rabies. exactly how long but weeks yeah. it's been weeks and weeks and weeks mm-hmm. things have been not so good down on the farm <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're on now yeah <laughs> why the fuck not things have been quite terrible i would say you've been quite ill haven't you yeah um i think i've mentioned on here before that i have issues with depression and stuff trying to be serious here and I can hear Chris's stomach grumbling. Yeah, and I'm trying my hardest not to laugh. (laughs) Describing her terrible depression and anxiety, I'm sat here giggling. (laughs) It's good, it lightens the mood. But yeah, I've been I've been really struggling. So I've been off work for quite a while. Um I can't actually remember how many weeks it is now, but um it's been a it's been quite a long time. Um and I just wasn't in a place where I could record um yeah i was kind of just sat in one spot staring at the wall for a long for quite a period of time yeah there was there was that as well but things are looking up now they're not perfect but things are a lot better medication and therapy and all of that good stuff and a slight easing of lockdown yeah and then a resurgence of lockdown things Yay. but it hasn't really affected us because we're still in a separate quarantine to the rest of the country yeah hmm. but yeah we, we, we've kind of had a little bit more able to do certain things anyway yeah um which has been kind of nice yeah we've been able to go out a little bit and do walking and stuff we've seen yes. the outside world for more than just going to pick up groceries from the local collection point. Yeah. So sorry for being away for so long. We hope you understand. And it's um, it's a shame that we haven't been able to get things out as quickly as we would have liked. We know that the TV show is coming out soon and we were sort of hoping to get Subtle Knife done before the TV show, but that looks like that probably won't happen now. No. Um, it's likely to be compounded by the fact that I've changed jobs. A lot of the equipment that we use to record is actually, it belongs to my current employer. So when I move jobs, I'm going to Cambridge. We're going to have to get our own equipment Yay. <laughs> <laughs> to record with. But that does at least mean that I'll be able to pick it myself. So hopefully it will be good. Increased quality. But yeah, there might be a bit of a pause there while we're sorting that out as well. So um, if we disappear again, that's why. But hopefully we'll be able to give you a bit more warning next time though. Yeah, I mean, I think our plan was to try and record as much as we could and get as many in the can. But to be honest, with the amount of time it takes us to prepare for and edit an episode, you know... I'm sure you can't tell at all, but we have to put a lot of effort into making each episode get even just as okay as they actually are, so <laughs> I don't know how many we'll be able to stack up before before I start my new job and leave my current one. Um, yeah. This is a really cheerful intro, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, sorry we were gone for ages, we'll probably be gone again for ages. Well, shit. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But at least we're here. We're here for now. We're here for chapter seven. We are. 
The Rolls Royce. The Rolls Royce. Um, God, it's so long that I can't remember what happened in the last episode, but I do know that Lyra and Will must have been somewhere else because my notes open with Lyra and Will are back in Chetagatse. So wherever they've come back from, <laughs> that's great. That's where they were. <laughs> um, and Lyra is asleep. Yes, I've put Lyra wakes up exclamation mark. Yes, because yeah, Lyra is always asleep as chapters end or start, mm -hmm. it seems. Uh, but she wakes up to the sound of children playing in pedal boats. Pedal boats. Which I always used to call pedalos as yeah, a child. That's yeah, that's I... that a thing? Yeah. Not just me. They're yeah. actually a lot harder to operate than you think they are. When you're a child, definitely. Yeah, I haven't been in a pedalo for a very long time and have a sudden urge now to hop aboard. Yeah, well, it's, it's an outdoor thing, isn't it? Anything to get outdoors, even operate an impossible boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lyra decides to approach... The children yeah because you know what she's like she's nosy and she's like yeah i'm good at talking to people i'm gonna have a chat with these kids but the kids want to know about the cat that's what happened last time lyra and will had <laughs> rescued the cat and seen the strange figure in the tower and things like that hadn't they yeah see we re we re-listened to this chapter again today but i didn't think it might have been a good idea to re-listen to the previous one or at least look at my last episode's notes to remember where <laughs> we were in the book in any case <laughs> um yeah the kids want to know what will and lyra are up to with the cat and whether they have a way to break the bad luck that the cat brings. Mm. The rest of the kind of conversation, there's a lot of sort of reiterating what we learned about the spectres in the last chapter. Yeah. Um, so just some of that like basic info about where they appeared from and things. Lyra asks for a bit more information about the guild because they bring the guild up and again, it's more kind of a reiteration of like their sort of philosophery, scientisty people who lived up in the tower and, you know, they kind of messed things up and... Now, I think what's interesting here is it talks a little bit again about how the first people in the tower opened the portal, doesn't it? Mm. And that they were essentially trying alchemy and were trying to chop lead down. Yes. And they cut it down to its smallest parts, which I guess is atoms. And then when it was as small as they could get it, they cut it more. And that's what opened the the portal. Oh, that's where they found the spectres. The yeah, spectres well, were inside that smallest part. Well, I, th I think that's what opened the portal. That's what I think. Okay. <laughs> um, the children go on to sort of claim that there's no one left in the tower. So no one from the guild is, is left. But Lyra remembers the man that she saw in the window. And she also kind of does her Lyra thing where because she lies so much she can tell when other people are lying and she kind of thinks yeah something's up here and she wonders if their brother Tulio that they mentioned briefly is that man the man in the tower well it's interesting that they tell Lyra that the guildsmen all, all fled the tower but the tower's now haunted Mm. Um, but then other kids say, well, no, it's just the guildmen in there and they're using magic to protect themselves. And mm. like, it's all, it's all, it's always just hearsay and bullshit, isn't it? Around <laughs> these kids, you never get to the bottom of anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. You don't really get any full answers. <laughs> like with the, with the information about all the, the specs and stuff, it's all kind of similar from what the adult said that in the previous chapter, it's all, you know, actually no still 
any kind of concrete facts. No. It's all a bit wishy-washy. Prime time to run the alethiometer over things, wouldn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Oh boy, would it. Um, anyway, Lyra has sort of decided she's going to go back to have a look at the tower uh, because she wants to see what's going on with this guy that she thinks is in there. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to it. Not before checking on Will, who is sleeping. Okay, well, I'm glad you clarified. That it's Will's important to know that he's he is asleep. It's a bit of a weird one, though. Like, don't you think that he, as in he is in Phil, decides to have a go and check on Will when she's like, oh, he's asleep, so I'll just... Well, it's to remind him. you, the reader, that he's asleep, and that's why he's not around right now. That's what I think. I think Phil uses sleep as a really convenient way to just keep characters out of the way. Yeah. And nothing has to happen to them, or, you know, you don't have to write anything about them. They're just asleep, and that's fine. Others can go do other things, and... Wouldn't it have made more sense though to just have him be asleep like at the at the beginning when she gets up? It could be like, oh, you know, Lara wakes up and she looks over and see that Will is fast asleep and then she didn't have to do this weird detour. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm being pedantic, but... Well, maybe she's going back to see Will to remind you that she cares a lot about Will mm, before she true. goes to the tower. I'm more interested anyway in the fact that the children during that whole thing also told Lyra that cats have the devil in them and that if they bite you they put the devil in you which I think is just like Chittagatsy children bullshit for rabies <laughs> like, is that where you got the title from then? yeah because I don't see how that's got anything to do with spectres or anything like that No, I think that just like cats in the Chittagatsy world you know Mad they're just rabies. a prime way of catching rabies probably there. I'd like to know more about the symptoms of uh, having the devil put in you by a cat. If it includes, like, fear of water and frothing at the mouth, then we can be pretty certain it's rabies. Yeah. Mm. I think you're just anti-cat. I'm marginally anti-cat. I'm not so much anti-cat as I am anti-cats as pets. Well, you're just very pro-dog. I am pro-dog. Absolutely. Dog's man's best friend. <laughs> um, anyway, rabies yeah. cat, go away. Uh, so Lyra heads back to the tower. Yeah, and she looks at it. Uh, it's all covered in carvings of angels, angels mm. as the name of it would suggest. Yeah, what's it called, Sarah? I wouldn't even try. Spell it. I can't remember how. Go on, say it for me. I can't remember what it's called either. That's why I'm asking, because you brought up what it was called. I don't even know if it's mentioned yet. I might be jumping ahead of myself. It probably is. It might not be. This has all gone really well. So anyway, Lyra sort of hesitantly enters the tower that may or may not be named. I'm pretty sure it's like the... It's like the Tower of Angels, it is the tower but in of Italian. Angels. I can't remember. I can't for the life of me remember what that would be. Oh, we failed ourselves, we failed you. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll refrain from just doing a bullshit Italian impression. That might upset people. So, she goes in a little bit and Pan's fluttering around anxiously and she suddenly loses her characteristic bravery and decides she don't go in further. So she runs to Will's Oxford instead. Very fast there. Yeah. <laughs> you just, I was going to say that part of the reason that she doesn't go inside is because... Pan gets very anxious and agitated in the same way that he was when they were in the crypts in Jordan, you know, when they were swapping the 
the coins and stuff around. For the scholars, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought that was interesting. There's just something otherworldly or not quite right. I thought that's what that was kind of... Well, it's like a two. ...suggesting. Yeah, there's something wrong there. But yeah, she does make a really sensible choice and then immediately follow that up by a really stupid choice. Yes. Yeah. She runs off to Oxford to speak to Mary Malone. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Mary Malone is cool, but... <sighs> Lyra. She's just always getting into scrapes. What is it? What is it, do you think, that makes her want to go to Mary right now? I think she just gets ideas into her head and then she's like... She just gets very focused on those things and she's like, I need to do this now. Um, I need to do it my way but because she's like... But specifically? Like, why is she going to Mary? Because of the dust. Because she wants to speak to the dust and she wants to find out more about it and, you know, all of that stuff. Because it's all linked to Asriel, isn't it? It is, but to me, like, she's kind of put two and two together now and knows that the alethiometer is also a way to talk to dust because she used her dust communication skills to get Mary's computer to do its thing. So I just, aside from advancing the plot in a very convenient way, I don't get, like, why she's so desperate to get back to Mary suddenly when she's, like, leaving the tower. Yeah, that is... Because she can answer any question with the alethiometer unless she's got something of that she wants to know from Mary. Yeah. That is a very good point. I don't know. Yeah, unless it is just, like, she kind of idol-worships her a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a certain amount of that, of, like, she obviously gets on with Mary. And although Lyra thinks she's independent, I think she still craves a certain amount of comfort from adults. Yeah. Um, so it's there's... interesting, though, that Mary's very different than Lyra's normal type. She normally likes killers yeah. and sort of... <laughs> people of action and now she's desperate to hang out with a scientist and her computer yeah it's because she's got what she wants isn't it mm. mother figure yeah <laughs> so she goes to visit mary um but before she can get to mary's lab she pulls her into the toilets and tells her that there are police officers there and they're looking for her mary is anxious but lyra is quite calm because I think she's convinced of her ability to lie her way out of it. Oh dear Lyra. Yeah. Um, so the police officer comes to, to find them, to get them out of the toilets um, and Lyra kind of thinks for his appearing kind but hard around the eyes um, and she kind of at that point begins doubting her judgement in regards to coming to Oxford a little bit. Yeah. She starts getting a sense of, like, maybe this wasn't the best idea. They're escorted back to the lab, and there is another police officer, and he is described as a pale-haired man. Oh, no. So... So they, they do kind of a standard-issue police interrogation routine here, which I just kind of wrote as a script, much the way I did with Will's <laughs> okay. dad's letters. Um, so Lyra's sort of actually being interviewed by the tall, powerful man who is not a scholar, she decides, because he looks too powerful, presumably. In any case, he asks her where she came from and she tells him Winchester, which is smooth because that's where Will's from. So at least she's kind of got a mimetic, a way to remember that lie. Uh, she asks about the bruises that she's got and Lyra just sort of says it's nothing. 
nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Asked her why she isn't in school, and she says she's here for the day to visit Mary. Asked her where she's staying, and she says she's with friends, and she can find the place, but she can't remember the name of the street. She tells the cops that she knows Mary because her father's a physicist. The lies are going to get convoluted. (laughs) This is the minute you know that Lyra is straying into dangerous territory. So she tells them that she knows Mary because her dad's a physicist. And they ask her if Mary showed Lyra her work and if she understood it. And she can't kind of resist the brag. So she says, yeah, I understand some of it because my father's working on it too. Um, And then this is where the inspector's kind of interrogation technique begins to work. He's like talked Lyra around until he's found something that gets her talking of her own volition, something she wants to talk about, Mm -hmm. which is clearly her dad and sort of how clever she is. Um, So she starts bragging about her dad, how well she understands his work. Uh, She feels like she's kind of easing into the lies and speaking more freely. Um, And while she's kind of running her mouth and not really thinking too carefully, feeling a bit overconfident, the inspector asks her if Will's staying with her friends too. And she says, yeah, he is. Obviously, the inspector didn't know they were together until that point. And now she's in the shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And she makes an escape. She does a run for it. Mary Malone helps her out by tripping up the... Yeah, tripping up the cops. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you got why I kind of said the pale-haired man in yeah. that voice. It's because he is... The ra- the room raider. Yes. He's... So he's possibly not police. No, he's something to do with the... Yeah. The Just wanted to make Will. that, that mm. definitely clear. So... Yeah, so he's he's chasing her. Um, Pan, at the same time, is kind of admonishing her for coming to Will's Oxford, which is fair. Yeah, it is fair. Um, Lyra does actually admit that she does the she's done the wrong thing, which is surprising for her. Yeah, actually, and she kind of she she does a runner, and eventually um, she's kind of in the like in the streets in the suburby bit a bit more. Yeah, she's in the streets of Oxford, mm. and Pan's flying above her, guiding her as yeah. a bird, which is handy. Yeah, that's actually some quite enough. nifty, like demon-human interaction there that we don't always get of like the full usefulness. Normally, it's just in like fighting situations and stuff. But I thought that was quite a good bit of group work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, a car pulls up alongside. Yeah. And who is it? Chris. It's the pedo from the museum. <laughs> That's one Called way of putting Alarm. it. Yeah. Pete's the gates. Oh, God. Hashtag where we go one, we go all. <laughs> Demon cast in no way supports QAnon. Just to make it clear, in case it wasn't already. <laughs> um, <laughs> the man from the museum kindly offers her a lift. I say kindly... Well, self-servingly. There is just no circumstance under which, like, this is, like, an okay situation. And I feel like Lyra is sort of very much showing her naivety here because I feel like if it was Will in a similar situation in in Lyra's world, he would never take a lift from someone no but i think will is much more accustomed to hiding everything from everyone whereas lyra's always had certain adults she can trust she gravitates towards wealthy powerful people because they're what she's used to Uh, you know with the scholars at oxford and her dad and all the rest of Mm -hmm. it and i still i think will is much more like it's only him and his mum he trusts and he probably only trusts his mum in that 
she wouldn't hurt him unless it's because of her delusions. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think that Will's much more worldly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, I feel like when I was Lyra's age, though, I wouldn't, I would never have got into a car with a random no, stranger. No, but you grew up during the British pedo panic when, like, literally, it was drilled into us. As did I. That like stranger danger. Yeah, exactly. Anyone that looked at you wanted to rape you. Like anybody. No, that's how it felt though. It was literally just like on every street corner behind every lamppost at the slavering hordes of sex offenders and like it is absolutely impossible for anyone that isn't a member of your family to want to do you anything but harm. Completely ignoring the fact that most rapists are related to their victims in some way. Ho-hum. Once again, we took it down a notch. Um... So, where the hell were yeah. So, you know, they've given this guy the slip. Lyra's jumped into the car with the fellow yeah. the lad from the museum. Pan is anxious. He is. So, he's picked up on it. When will Lyra learn to listen to Pan? Because he tends to be right. Something bad's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> she still hasn't got it yet. He's the nagging voice of doubt, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but she feels like she's safe now because she's with this rich, powerful man in his fast car. So what possibly could go wrong? I assume this car is the titular Rolls Royce. You would assume, though, because otherwise the title wouldn't make any sense. No, that's true. <laughs> it's actually but weird anyway. because I don't think at any point it mentions it, it's a Rolls Royce, does it? No, just in the chapter title. It's That's... just described as smooth and powerful. Lyra wouldn't know what a Rolls Royce is. I'm not entirely sure Lyra knows what a combustion engine is. Huh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the man from the museum begins to kind of question Lyra a little bit, just asking her stuff about, you know, her friend that she's staying with and... Yeah, he's trying to tease information out of her as well, asking if she's seen any more trepanned skulls and the like. Yes. Tells her that um, he knows that there's kind of like a a hidden collection. They've more than the ones on display at the Mm -hmm. museum, and some of them are really ancient, like Neanderthal. And obviously this gets Lyra talking about something she's interested in, so she starts talking more freely. One thing she doesn't ask, and I would have definitely asked this if I was Lyra, is like, how did you know where I was? And how do you know so much about me in the interim? Because I've barely told you anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all a little bit fishy. Um, she does think to herself while she's talking to him that it is harder to tell lies in Will's world. Yeah. She finally has a moment of kind of doubt. She's, she's kind of repeating similar answers to the one she did before, but she doesn't find it so easy. And... She doesn't feel as comfortable in her own powers, I don't think. No, and she's very obviously being caught out quite easily. Mm -hmm. I would assume that she's never really... With the exception of when she was at the station and stuff in the last book, she's probably not really come across adults that would really care that much if she's lying, Mm -hmm. uh, at least at the times when she was telling a lie. Yeah. You know, she's only really lied to people that are like the scholars at Jordan and stuff. Well, Mrs. Coulter called her out on it though, didn't she? Well, she kind of did, yeah, but Lyra sort of still got away with it. Um, she's, she's certainly never been interrogated by police in the way that she was here, or using police techniques at least. Yeah. Um, and I guess she's a fish out of water, right? It's really hard to lie when you're in an environment you know nothing about. Yeah, exactly. 
she will actually kind of say later on um, that it's also to do with the fact that the danger here is quite subtle. She mm-hmm. doesn't understand it as much. Everything's very under the surface. So it's harder to lie. It's harder to feel safe. But yeah, as she's having this conversation, she also kind of thinks that this man seems familiar, but she can't quite place him. Yeah. And I mean, I just don't know how she can't remember him. He sounds so distinct. Well. In any case, at the moment, she can't. We know who he is, and I'm pretty sure that's been in a spoiler alert section previously, (laughs) but we'll be getting to that. After his sort of interrogation of her, which frankly, he doesn't get that much information out of her. It's almost like he's not really trying. (laughs) He he could have pressed her on a few different points, but he just sort of didn't bother. Eventually, they pull up where uh, Lyra decides she'd like to get out, and he opens the door next to him, and she climbs past him and leaves. She nearly forgets her backpack, but he hands it to her, so it's fine, and off she goes. There's a a horrible moment when she's, like, climbing over him, when instead of, like, being able to get out on her side, she has to climb over him to get out yeah and she's like desperate not to touch him and it's just, it's just that horrible icky feeling that you got from the last um their last encounter as well when they were talking at the museum just to kind of like oof. he definitely wants you to get in his van and look at his puppies doesn't he yeah yeah in the meantime anyway lyra seems to have gotten away completely unscathed it's a bit odd put a pin in that <laughs> and then she heads back to uh Chittagatze. I can't do it still. Um, <laughs> she kind of has a feeling about the pale-haired man, the, the policeman that were chasing them, and she thinks that she wants to ask the alethiometer about him. Yeah. In the meantime, Will's back in Chittagatse, puzzling over his dad's letters and trying to imagine him. And Lyra arrives, like, in full run, back from Will's Oxford, and she tells him about her ride in the car and that the old man has stolen the alethiometer and she says she's done such wrong things this morning yeah she collapses she's pretty beside herself Pam becomes a wolf and howls in grief is there anything more dramatic (laughs) it's like Dracula yeah um in the end Will decides to speak to Pam rather than to Lyra because she's so just sobbing so hard that he can't get a word out of her so he he decides to speak to to Pan instead. Yeah. Um, who explains a little bit what has happened while flicking between shapes with a sort of anxiety. Yeah. Will is kind of relieved that the men don't know where the window is because that's what comes out in that conversation that this stuff has happened, but ultimately they don't know where the window is. No. They didn't see a crossover. And he can't really understand why Lyra is as upset as she is. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, she's given away information about him. She's lost the alethiometer. Like, she's basically messed up all the weird little missions she'd set for herself in one fell swoop. But kind of worse than that, I think the real reason why she's kind of so deeply upset is the alethiometer had told her to stop looking for dust and help Will to find his dad. And that she knew if she asked the alethiometer, she would have been able to find his dad. But she didn't. No, no, she didn't. She just did what she wanted to do. And, of course, Will is not happy about this information. No. (laughs) Uh, He gives her the frosty cold shoulder. Yeah. And... Just walks away from her. Yeah, basically. Lyra begs him to stick with her. And as she's doing this, and Lyra begs him to stick with her. um, And while she's doing that, she has a kind of spark of 
genius and realizes that she still has the man's business card that he gave to her so they can find out what his name is and where he lives yeah i mean that's some good thinking by lyra because he gave it to her way back in the museum when they first met so mm. at least she's remembered that much yeah so she suggests that they go to the house and steal the alethiometer pack and will just tells her that it's a stupid idea well, she he, she shows him the business card in the first mm. place, and of course it says that his name is Sir Charles Latram. So Will's instantly reluctant to go back because he just thinks, well, this guy's gentry. Like, everyone's going to believe him over us. His house is going to be massive and guarded, and he's probably got a safe, and we'll never be able to find the alethiometer if we try and just sneak in and get it back. Like, like yeah. basically, you don't fuck with people that are in line to the throne in Britain because uh, equality doesn't exist here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Lyra's response is that she has a massive tantrum, basically. Yeah. And tells Will that if Yorick Bernison was there, that he'd just get on with it and sort it out. Yeah. And Will says, look, I don't know who this fucking teddy bear thing you've made up is, but this is the real one. No, he doesn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of just looks at her and she gets like a bit of a shock because she realizes that his expression and how he holds himself is quite similar to Yorick yeah and it, it kind of shuts her up a little bit um Will does sort of realize though that he and Lyra are kind of bound together yeah I'm not sure why he feels like this I don't know if he just feels kind of emotionally attached to her or because she knows things about him at this point well I think you've got that trifecta of like he is emotionally bound to her um, and that's probably in part due to the fact that she's the only one that really knows what's going on with him and kind yeah. of like at least he's got some safety and acceptance with her also I suppose even without the alethiometer she's the only one that's likely to be able to help him find his dad um, particularly because yeah. it's starting to sound like his dad might know about these different worlds and portals and all the rest yeah. of it he's maybe thinking more like she's literally the only other interdimensional traveler i know mm. so what am i gonna do <laughs> and finally of course fate ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes the convenience of fate meaning that everyone has to do their little bit in lyra's story mm-hmm so Will suggests that rather than just going and attempting to steal it back, that what they do is they go and visit the house, they scope it out, yeah. get an idea of whether it will be possible. Yeah, they're going to case it out like the burglars in Home Alone. Yes. They knock the door, ask, you know, are your mum and dad here, little boy, that kind of thing, see if there's a burglar alarm. <laughs> uh, let's hope it goes a little bit better for them. Yeah, well... You don't want to get, like, an iron in your face and a tarantula on your nuts that or whatever it is. It used to creep me out a little bit about Home Alone. Like, when I was a kid, I used to quite enjoy it, but the bits when they actually got hit by the traps and stuff, yeah. I'd be, like, cringing with, like, pain. Like, wouldn't that be really, like, horrendously painful? It would appear, gentle listener, that slapstick comedy is lost on Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, the like, the lengths of the stuff they go through. Like, can you actually imagine? Like, you could do those things like in a horror film i mean it is true like he electrifies door handles and all sorts doesn't he like throw bowling balls downstairs onto yeah. their heads it's like or something or paint an iron cans. on someone's face yeah. yeah paint cans i feel like we should remake home alone but no. as a horror film i think we should remake home alone as a saw origins movie 
Like that is the birth of Jigsaw. He was left alone by his parents and traumatized by burglars and got into making elaborate traps and oh <laughs> playing God. games. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's blonde, the same. Yeah. You're onto something. Kevin is whatever the Jigsaw guy's name is. I don't even know. I don't really. The Jigsaw Killer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> that's what they're going to do. Uh, minus all the Home Alone nonsense. They're going back to co-case the joint out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Will and Lyra head back through the window. Um, Lyra kind of talks a little bit about... Or rather, Lyra thinks a little bit more about how being in Will's world is harder than when, even than yeah. when she was in the Arctic. Yeah. Just going back to what I was saying about before, I'm quite surprised that she actually kind of compares it to the journey to Bolvanger and says that in some ways this is harder because she can't see those dangers coming. Yeah, and I suppose she's not got her entourage of Egyptians and bears and yes. whatnot with her as well. Yeah. Um, she has a lot of time to think about this because it very specifically states that it takes an hour and a half to get to Latrum's house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and um, she also sorry, just quickly going back to the to the previous bit a little bit more. You could have segued from the ninety minutes thing. Could I? Yeah, surely. <laughs> Clearly, my segueing skills have lapsed somewhat in our weeks off. Um, Lyra kind of realizes for the first time that without the alethiometer, she's just a little girl. Yeah which I think is quite a big realisation because she's always the, the, very much the big I am. Yeah. But in, she's kind of got it into her head at last. That... It, it does kind of creep in earlier as well in the book. Like whenever she's really in peril, that's when she starts to sort of realise that maybe it's not so much her that's the big I am, it's everyone or everything around her. Like she's sort of had mm -hmm. those moments before. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's now Phil's kind of trademark way of signalling to us that they're heading towards danger. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, they arrive at Charles's house. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a bit of a quote here because I really enjoyed this this particular. Oh, I think I know what you're going to yeah. say, but go for it. <laughs> Everything Will could see spoke of wealth and power, the sort of informal, settled superiority that upper class English people still took for granted. Yeah. I feel like I knew you'd have feelings about this Oh, I bit. do. That's not actually the quote that I oh, thought okay. you were going with. Um, but I've got that quote for myself a bit later on. But I do have feelings about this because I am extremely... Class conscious? Yeah, I'm <laughs> triggered very much, I would say, in fact, by the class system in Britain. And I don't know if... I mean, clearly there is a sort of hierarchy that comes with wealth wherever you are in the world. Mm. But in particular, within a class-based system, the thing that really pisses me off about it is the fact that it genuinely flies in the face of equality. Like, realistically, anybody could become a millionaire or even a billionaire. They probably won't, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Realistically, any millionaire or billionaire could go bankrupt they probably won't, but it's not impossible. But, like, outside of the class system, ordinary people can rise and fall. It's kind of a rarity for it to happen, mm. but it does happen. So there is some sort of equality. But within a class-based system like we have in the UK, that equality goes away the minute you start dealing with the upper classes. So the upper classes are like the landed gentry, people that are linked to the throne, usually through bloodlines and things like that. 
um, like the Queen can't go bankrupt because she gets £35 million a year from the government no matter what, just by birthright. The Queen can't lose her power unless she abdicates it or the people rise up and push her off the throne. Like, nothing short of an entire nation standing against her can make her lose what she's got. And that is not equality. And while that exists in Britain, Britain has, by definition, not achieved equality and never will. And that's how I feel about the class system. And this is Chris's socialist podcast. I'm not a socialist. I mean, I think socialism has some very good ideas. I'm just an anti-monarchist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Barbados are kicking the Queen out as their head of state, they've announced. Good for you, Barbados. <laughs> My sincere advice is don't replace one form of corruption with another. Like, do it right. Be a good republic. You can do it. You can be the model for us all. Well, now we've got that sorted. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the reason I picked upon this particular quote is because... Um, I thought it really simply conveyed that that line, the sort of informal settled superiority. It's a comfort in your status, kind of like you were saying about because they know that there's no way that they can be moved from that. Yeah. There's a, a real kind of, yeah, a, a settledness in it. And it says something about what this person is going to be like potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince Andrew. Best friends with a paedophile, police want to interview you. And I'm royalty, so I'm just going to say no. That's how it works, and that is how it works. Can we please stop talking about paedophiles? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're going uh, way too deep on that. Um, So, Will doesn't like the vibe of the house. Um, We know about Will that he hasn't grown up in a... He's probably grown up in a working-class kind of household. So it's not somewhere that he feels comfortable or and also he has a a weird memory that we get here which is a bit of a random one that he remembers visiting a similar house as a young child and they visited an old couple there uh, that made his mother cry now i'm assuming that they're his grandparents i think they're probably his dad's parents yeah yeah um because it's fairly typical for officers in the military which he was to kind of enter the military as a as a commissioned officer if they come from quite a wealthy background or there's like a tradition of commissioned officership in their family so i would guess that yeah his parents were probably quite well to do and therefore those people were will's dad's parents yeah so because of those two things growing up in a working class sort of background but then having that bad experience with these obviously wealthier or upper class people he's not feeling too good about this whole house situation um Lyra notices that Will is having a bit of a moment, but she's just like, that's his thing. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. let him deal with it. Oh, because she's quite accustomed to this, you know, this yeah. kind of opulence. And I mean, she is essentially the landed gentry anyway from her world. Yeah. Albeit she's a bit of a orphaned bastard child. She's yeah. still of the blood. So, you know, yes. it's not that alien to her. No. So they, they, not, well, they, they ring the bell pull and they ask to speak to Charles. While they're stood there, Will realises that they are not going to be able to break in through that front door. Yeah, it's all barred and bolted and all sorts. Yeah. Um, And when Charles finally comes to the door, Will finds him disconcertingly smooth, calm and powerful. Yeah. 
and I think that's what relates to that quote from before. He's very comfortable in himself, yeah. very unruffled. Yeah, and it, it has my quote moment in it. Will looked up into the face of this man who had so much yet still wanted more. Yeah. Mm, yeah, proper royal. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he tells Latram, I'm going to call him Latram, I'm not going to call him Charles, I wouldn't presume okay. on our friendship. He, t- <laughs> he tells Latram that... <laughs> that Lyra thinks that she left something in his car by mistake and this is a bit of a fuck up right away because Lettrum doesn't know any Lyra allegedly Uh, but he does know Lizzie right out the gate just fucks it up (laughs) yeah Will not so good at this as Lyra even and Mm -hmm. Lyra's been bad at it of late so he already forgot her secret ID just a silly mistake and Lyra kind of hears this and I guess she's flushed out of cover so she approaches and and Lettrum says oh hi Lizzie snide caught you both out there not that he didn't already know i'm sure uh, (laughs) quite clearly Uh, but he does invite them into his study Mm. but will notices that in spite of his manners there's kind of an edge to his behavior like he's not the sweet man he's pretending to be no and that's quite perceptive of will yeah see the sinisterness there yeah lyra sort of just begins to outrightly accuse charles Mr. Latram. Sir, Sir Latram. Latram. Sir Charles of Latram. <laughs> Lyra begins to accuse him of, um, you know, of stealing the alethiometer, but Will kind of takes the reins a little bit and tries to sort of calmly explain that Lyra thinks she left something in his car, you know, yeah. like it maybe is a mistake somehow. But... Uh, Charles, Charles does have it. Yeah, he gets he just it out, but pops it out. <laughs> and before Lyra can take it, he locks it in a cabinet. Yeah. And he basically says, you know, it's not yours. You can't prove it's yours, and I've got it now. So people are just going to think you're lying. You dishonest little girl. You give a fake name, and if I call the police, that's that, isn't it? So he's basically got them where he wants them now. Yeah. They're, they're in his home, claiming his property's theirs. He knows they've lied. Yeah, I hate this bit so so much yeah like it makes my blood boil it's kind of similar to the thing like i was telling you about the other day where i really hate the trope in films and things when someone gets like blamed for something that isn't their fault like Mm. i really hate that kind of injustice in films it just it makes me like furious and and that's like kind of like that in this bit i'm just like oh you dastardly bastard yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it really makes me angry i'm like because he has just completely twisted everything to suit him yeah and he's he's using well yeah and he's using his status and his position to sort of manipulate them basically and to get the upper hand because he knows that no one's going to trust those kids and like he says because he's got it yeah that's it they're never going to believe that it was theirs because it's an expensive item Um, I'm sure that he knows that Will is wanted he knows who Lyra is yeah because I think like Will (laughs) Will kind of knows it's up when he says about calling the police and then he's like no you're good I'm good (laughs) yeah 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 so Lyra once again throws a kind of a big tantrum but kind of in his face yeah and also Pan appears (laughs) in a very unsubtle way and just starts like being very much present. Being yes, being a visible <laughs> demon in a world devoid yeah. of demons. <laughs> he doesn't seem surprised. No. That an animal has suddenly appeared in his study that wasn't there before. No. 
almost um, like he was expecting it. Because mm, he was. Yeah. Lyra, as she's yelling at, at, at Charles, she tells him that he doesn't understand the importance of dilithiometer. That he's worse than her mother. Yeah. That she wants him dead. <laughs> and then she spits in his face. She does. Which is kind of just to make... She just runs out of things to say and she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to spit in your face. She just spits on him. It's brilliant. <laughs> Will, and, Will and Charles basically both sit there and just sort of take everything in until he finally kind of puts a stop to it. Calls yeah. her a filthy brat. Tells her to sit down. Not going to lie, as much as I like Lyra, and obviously she's the main character... I feel like in some ways she deserves it. Why? He's a twat. <laughs> oh, he is. He is, yeah. absolutely. But she can be a bit of a brat. And I feel yeah, like every so often she just needs someone to just just, just take her down a peg. Just I mean, this is kind of a rare occasion when I think her brashness is justified entirely. Maybe. I would have kicked him in the balls if I was Lyra. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> but Will, anyway, Will's wondering, as he's observed all of this, why Latram doesn't just throw them out. Yeah. And then he notices something up Latram's sleeve, not in mm. the metaphorical sense. He notices the emerald head of a snake. Oh. And Latram tells them that the instrument's going to stay in his collection of weird-ass interdimensional scientific instruments. He doesn't actually say that that's what it is, but, you know, he's, that's what he's got. And he suggests that he can, like, forge documents quickly to, pr to prove ownership if he needs to. Yeah, it's his now, and there's nothing they can do about it. Mm -hmm. But he does say that there's something he wants more, and he will trade said item for the alethiometer if they can get it for him. He also tells them that he knows about their door to other worlds. He knows that... Uh, the man that made the door has got a knife and he's hiding in a tower with angels on it. Yes. Which does kind of explain why Lyra briefly goes back to the tower and then leaves again, because it helps to remind us that that's the tower. Yeah, <laughs> true. And, yeah, if they can bring him this knife, then they can have the alethiometer. Yeah. End of chapter. Uh -uh. Bum, bum, bum. So all the events in this chapter are pretty much just there to bridge us to the point where these two become aware of the uh, the knife and have a reason to go and get it. Yeah, it's kind of things things are moving at a bit more of a speed now. Things are getting. We say real. that every episode. Literally, we do. We just go. Things are speeding up now. It's almost like we've never read a book before, <laughs> or in have any idea the, of pacing. Yeah, we've just never consumed any piece of narrative media. Mm -mm. We've just been locked in a library somewhere reading reference. It's not books. like one of us did like a, a literature degree. That was you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I literally spent the past decade locked in a library reading reference books <laughs> and his dark materials very slowly. <laughs> Um, I think I, I think I like the fact that this annoys me because I feel like if a character really annoys you, like you've got Charles, your yeah, you you care about it. They've they've written yeah. them so well that you hate them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's important to provoke an emotional response, even if it's a negative one. It means they've done something yeah. right. Unless you like hate the hero, that's probably a misstep. But you know, um, it is a bit of a. I don't know, reading it back, it's almost like a Red Wedding moment for me in the sense of it being like this point which suddenly changes the direction of the book and you're like, it probably didn't need to go in the direction it goes in for the story to be completed. 
It's kind of almost like an author's indulgence. I think it works in his dark materials and I think it leads to things that are really big and exciting, mm. which is kind of the opposite of The Red Wedding, which just like writes off a whole shitload of plot threads that George R. R. Martin couldn't be bothered to finish any, any other way. You know what? I would argue with you, but then we'd be on a Game of Thrones podcast. So yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going <laughs> to be like, I disagree with that. Because you love The Red Wedding, don't you? No, I wouldn't say I love it, but, like, have you read the books? No, I've been told that they're badly written. No, no, so you haven't even... God damn. You haven't read the books, so you don't know how... I do know he talks about teats in them a lot, and that's enough to know that, like, were it not for his vast wealth, George R.R. Martin would probably be an incel. Yeah. (laughs) No no one should ever... (laughs) Ever? Ever use the word teats. No, not in relation to humans. Mm Mm-mm. No. Bad times. Um, You've thrown me again. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Your tangents have got me. So. So this is driving them towards the Tower of Chittagatse, the Tower of Angels, to get the the subtle knife. Yeah. Essentially. That's what this has set them up to. And it's also, it's brought Latrum back in, and Latrum becomes important. Mm. Um, I think we'll it, leave the full discussion of him for spoilers. But. I think it makes the the obtaining of the knife more important, like because if they had just gone into the tower and, and encountered it. the thing, they might not have even thought about it, or they wouldn't have like maybe tried to take. But obviously, this gives them a specific reason why well, they need it. Yeah, but it's and imperative it that they get it. It also so means that they know what the knife does. Yeah. as well like if they'd have just gone in the tower for a mooch about and seen the knife they might not have really realised that it was important but like Latrum's basically told them that it opens doors to other worlds yeah which in the grand scheme of things is probably more useful to Lyra than the alethiometer in some circumstances so she's gonna want that yeah um and Charles obviously knows about other worlds as well yeah. so he's whoever he is and wherever he has come from hmm he knows stuff yeah which is like the first time you read this is like what, 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 what? yeah and at first as well reading this you don't know who latrum is so yeah. like there are hints that he's not from will's world but mm. i think people reading this far would have picked up on that and if we carry on we should go to spoilers are you mm. ready yeah yeah do you not just wish sometimes that you could go back and read a book again like as if you'd never read it yeah, and like, watch um, films and play games, all sorts. And do the spoilers. Mm. Yeah. Get that, get that first experience all over again. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the desire to compare different things to each other comes from, isn't it? Because you read something or you watch something that has a big impact mm. and then you crave that again, but you're not going to get it from that original thing. So you wait for the next thing to come along. And I think that sometimes the things we criticise most harshly are the things that fall just short of giving us that. It's almost yeah. like you see they had the potential, but they didn't quite get it there for you. And then we sort of like, oh, no, I don't like that. That was rubbish. And it's just that it didn't live up to your expectations. I think we're just locked in this constant attempt to rekindle the feelings we had for past books and past media, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Cue Please insert, yeah, I was going to say, insert actual music at that point, because... <laughs> no, I'm just going to put a big echo on your voice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, spoiler alert... If you're leaving us now, thank you for listening. You can join us in our discussion group, email us comments, etc. Through the usual, the link's in the show notes. Thank you for listening. 
for those of you that remain, Sir Charles Latram is Carlo Boreal. I'm sure we've already said that, though. Yeah, only in spoilers. Um, this is spoilers, so we're just oh, reminding yeah, you. Obviously. Uh, but why doesn't Lyra recognise him? She saw him, admittedly, quite As briefly. She's just got the party. worst memory. It was a whole book ago. Has he got prosthetics on? Maybe. Uh, but that's what the snake up his sleeve is. Mm -hmm. The little emerald snake. I want to know what kind of snake I was going to say that as well. So it's emerald. It's small enough to fit up his sleeve. It's going to be something like... It better not be anything boring, which would narrow it down to being something like a bush viper or like a... like an Indian vine snake, which I believe is also called the green mamba. Uh, it's going to be something like that. It's got to be venomous. Uh -huh. I want it to be a viper. I like vipers. I think it should be venomous, considering it's... But, but yeah. would it be a venomous if it was a demon? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. Do demons mimic the venom of a snake as well as the appearance of one? Yeah. I don't know. I, I just want it to be a venomous one because they're more interesting as a demon. Like if you had like a little grass snake or, or a garter snake, as much as I love them. Well, they wouldn't stay up your sleeve. They'd be all, the, all oh, over the place. they'd be leaping all over the place like ours do. Yeah, just on a constant explore. But oh yeah, we told the listeners that we got some garter snakes. We got yeah. some garter snakes. There you go. They're cute. Um... <laughs> That's exciting for us in the UK because we don't have garter snakes Not in the wild, in the wild here. Whereas no. I'm sure some of you American listeners are just like... I'll chew oh, those get out them. of my shed every summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's fun for us because yeah. we only have like two snakes in the UK and one of them's venomous. So you're And they're very shy. They are. I've never seen one. But I want, I want, I want Latram's snake to be a bush viper just because they're so cute and cool mm -hmm. looking but it could be something quite dull in any case he is lord boreal from lyra's world which means he's linked to the magisterium and culta mm -hmm. and potentially but then obviously it's like he's clearly up to his kind of own stuff at this point well he's got some sort of agenda going on in will's world and it wouldn't surprise me at all in fact in spoiler section i don't even need to pretend this is like a throwaway retractable <laughs> statement it's like you know he's obviously in cahoots with some of the people that have been chasing both will and lyra mm -hmm. um so he's kind of almost pulling strings in will's world as much as coulter was in lyra's world Yes. What I'm fascinated by is like how you set up a life like as established as Charles Latram's when you I come mean, from another world. To me, it would indicate that he's either been doing it for quite a long time or he's had quite a lot of help. Mm. Um, he's surely like to establish yourself as a lord just to like buy a house in the UK takes friggin months you know this didn't all start after lyra met him there just wouldn't be time she's only been gone for like what maybe a year or something yeah like he yeah he's either been setting this up for a while or he's got contacts on our side probably both to be fair mm. but he would need some yeah some time some time and some <laughs> some, some help clout. to sort that out yeah for sure but then again you know he could just be bringing weird rare stuff from his world and selling it Mm. And there's nothing to say that he really is Sir Charles Latram. Anyone can write that on a business card. You've got to be careful who you tell because it is fraud. But equally, it's not yeah. something people tend to challenge, is it? I guess not. So, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all that, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything more spoiler-wise, to be honest. There's nothing. We basically did a spoiler that we've already done. Yeah, and but... And chatted a bit, of, a bit of rubbish. But But equally, it's been a while since we did it, so it felt fresh. 
every time he's just like until he just, actually gets revealed will just yeah, be like every ev- every episode he appears in Charles Latram is Lord Boreal <laughs> with great excitement <laughs> I just don't get why Lyra doesn't even like vaguely recognise well, him she, she says he's familiar yeah but you know you meet people especially in a setting like the party she met him at and I just think You'd just be a bit more like, oh, were you that guy? The kind You'd of conversation, the kind of know. conversation they had as well, I would say, would be like fairly memorable because mm. he was the one that kind of revealed the whole gobblers thing to her. Yeah, I feel like that's quite a memorable conversation. It is a bit, unless, like you say, he's changed his appearance somewhat. Yeah. I don't know to what extent he could do that, but he's got a know. giant like bushy eyebrows and glasses on yeah big Groucho Marx nose and yeah <laughs> yeah in any case that's who he is and he's now managing to at least to some extent puppeteer Will and Lyra as well he's good mm-hmm and as always not only is the pace increasing but I'm also getting increasingly excited yeah. which is what I say every time yeah. but I am because they're going to go and look for the knife and it's basically I'm a bit, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself in my head because I'm like and then this happens and then this happens and, and I'm excited for it they meet another good character yeah and, that, and, that. <laughs> and yeah I mean the, the, the bits that are we're getting perilously close to my favourite parts of the whole book series mm. now so that's what does the excitement for me kind of rediscovery is almost as good as first discovery almost but not quite <laughs> no anyway after that rambleathon yeah that absolute tangent i guess all that remains to be said is as we said to the people that left us for the spoiler alert you can talk to us in our facebook discussion group you can email us you can mm. review us yes and rate do that. us yeah sarah's keen on that so am i <laughs> And uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we are sorry it's been so long, and hopefully it won't be as long until the next episode. So, we love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.